1: Welcome back to another edition of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast and coming to you from a beach house in Holden Beach, North Carolina, uh, down here with my family. Uh, We are on, uh, my daughter had spring break, so we decided to get away, get out of town get uh get to some warmer weather and it's not not a lot warmer here it's uh like eh, it's 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 warmer <laughs> it's mid like mid 70s this week uh, which is uh much nicer than the weather in uh Pittsburgh Pennsylvania so I will I'll take that but a uh, little story behind uh, the trip down here which uh, I will tell in a minute it involves FEMA and turtles. So uh, stay tuned uh, for that story. And then uh, this is another solo episode of Finding Freedom. So we're going to talk about some different topics. And honestly, if you haven't been able to tell, I'm I'm kind of um, battling myself on the direction I kind of want to go with this show. Uh, I think my interests and uh, the passions, the things that I'm passionate about, about talking about are are changing and evolving and uh, there's there's just some things that you know I I, I don't want to do the same interviews that I've always been doing so I would rather bring you a solo show talk about interesting things talk about uh, maybe some uh, video clips that you're not aware of which today you're gonna be hearing one from a uh, Event from Grant Cardone. If you know who Grant Grant Cardone is, he's a uh, real estate guy, entrepreneur, uh, motivational speaker type. Uh, I'm a big fan of Grant Cardone, and he has a, every year he has a 10x conference, and he had a bunch. He, he always lines up some of the best guests. And actually, last year I, I purchased the whole conference and, and watched it. This year I didn't. But I did see that he put a little teaser on YouTube of his talk with Donald Trump. And I'm going to play a clip from that a little later on in the show with Donald Trump talking about inflation and, uh, and real estate and had some very, very interesting things to say. So we'll get to that um, later on in the show. And then we're going to talk about uh, some, some shady things happening with hospitals. We're going to talk about the, the war in Yemen and the ceasefire. And we'll talk about uh, AI, automation in fast food and and what's coming down that pike. So without any further delay, let's let's get to the show and let's get to the story uh, that I'm going to start this show with. And let me say this first. I am using a different mic, as I mentioned, uh, on vacation with my family. And I said vacation. It's not really vacation. Um, I've I've been working this week. I, I can work remotely, work from anywhere. Uh, my wife, as well, with uh, what she does, she can work from anywhere, and uh, that's why we were able to to get away this week. But it feels like vacation when you're uh, when you're at the beach. So of course, w- when you go to the beach, you expect to be able to go to the beach and for it to be relaxing. And for the, you know, have your nice, calm um, ocean views and scenery and to hear the breeze and to hear the ocean, sit back, close your eyes and just relax, right? I mean, that's what people want when they go to the beach, right? That's what I want. So, what happened with us? We arrive here on Saturday, uh, this past weekend, and the trip itself was, was great. We, we left, on, left on Friday from Pittsburgh, and we drove about halfway, about exactly halfway. Stayed overnight, woke up Saturday, drove the rest of the trip. Everybody's in a great mood. We're feeling awesome. We arrive at the beach house. We get out of the car. And as soon as I stepped out of the car, I could tell something was, was amiss because we, we're running an oceanfront house, so I'm able to, to see as, I, as we pull into the drive, I can look up the, up the wooden steps that go up to the walkway that goes to the ocean, and I could see on the beach just the hint of uh, something strange of some sort of equipment or, or something on the beach. And as I, as I walked towards what I saw, I started to hear, hear sounds that you don't want to hear when you're at the beach. Trucks backing up, uh, construction beeping noises, things of that nature. Um, not not what you want, not what you want to hear when you go to the beach. So much to uh, to my surprise and much to our disappointment and you know frustration and anger, we discovered that we had rented a beach house, which was right along a sand pipeline. Where they were piping sand up from out in the ocean and they pipe it up onto the beach to extend the, uh, the high tide line, to, to push it out to give it a wider beach. Uh, beaches, you know, up and down, coast to coast, do this. And fine, that's okay to do it. Uh, what made us so angry was that we knew nothing about it. I mean, you don't rent a house. To someone, when you know, this is going on, and we we weren't even able to access the beach right in front of our oceanfront house, we had to walk down 17 houses or so um, to get to uh, to get to the beach. So it just stupid and really frustrating. And of course, you know, call the rental company and and raise hell, and they, you know admitted they they had no well they claimed they had no idea that uh this was this was happening um now <laughs> this week um of they knew that the project was ongoing they they didn't know that it was right in front of uh of this beach house that we rented we rented uh, from a pretty small vacation rental company so anyway that's that, that's beside the point but anyway so they admitted their mistake, and uh, they essentially gave us half price for the week, which is okay. I mean, if we, you know, say if we knew ahead of time, even at half price, would we have paid for this house and lost, um, you know, s- several days of you know, prime beach access and have the construction noises and, you know, my daughter and wife are these construction noises are keeping them up at night because they've set up lights on the beach and and they work all night. Um, would we have rented the house? No, probably not. But all things considered we're here half off, not, not the worst deal. So fast forward. So they're doing their beach construction, um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I think it was on Tuesday. We talked to the, maybe it was Monday. We talked to the, the FEMA guy, you know, the FEMA officer, whoever, whatever the correct, correct name is there. It's, it's a FEMA project, um, government contract, obviously, and $27 million. So not, not cheap to, uh, to pump sand um, through rusty pipelines. But uh, we talked to the guy, and it turns out even at, at that time, this was, I think, Monday, that they weren't even working. People were there getting paid, moving their uh, you know dump trucks around and, and all that stuff. But the ship had broke down, and they had to change out ships. So like we, we were hopeful that maybe they would like finish by the time um, and before we had to leave and would have a couple days uh, of some peace and quiet. And with you know that delay there, we kind of at least I kind of lost hope for that, which was you know even more frustrating. And then. Last night, you know, I noticed, you know, that the ship was working. They were pumping sand all night. They were seemed like they were, were just working feverishly hard, and the hardest I'd, I'd seen them work, and the most activity uh, that I'd seen out of the construction crew this this entire week. And uh, go to sleep, wake up uh, this morning. This is this is Wednesday. I'm recording this. Come down the steps, and I look. The pipeline's gone. So when they when they pipe sand from the ocean, obviously it comes up. The this big pipe comes up out of the ocean. Then they run it parallel um, to the you know to the beach to the ocean down. And as you know, as they extend the uh, the shoreline out, they just add on more segments of the pipe and keep going down until they get to the to the next you know perpend- di- di- perpendicular pipe that the ship comes and hooks up to. And then they'll, you know, get rid of the other pipes, anyway. So I wake up and I look; it, the pipeline is is gone. It's disassembled, and there's still, I mean, there's still pieces of pipe there that they are that they're moving out of the way. But, I mean, amazing, amazing to see that. Oh my god. They're actually, we're actually gonna be able to use our beach. And you know, I watched in the morning as and I, I was working, and I'd go back and I'd look and I'd work and I'll go back and look. And more and more of the stuff is being moved, and you could tell that they were cleaning up. And I could also tell that they weren't done. So I'm like, well, that's that's interesting. I, I wonder what the heck's going on. It turns out, uh, my wife talked to, you know, some other people on the beach. Turns out they didn't finish. And they had to shut down the operation because they saw a sea turtle. That's right. They shut down because of a sea turtle. And I say, thank you. Thank you, God, for that sea turtle. Um, that's the most amazing sea turtle in the world because it gave us you know, about a half day today of some, some peace and quiet in front of our house. Thursday and Friday, we'll be able to walk out, you know, right, right to our, uh, right to the ocean, peace and quiet. There's no construction sounds tonight. So that's excellent. I mean, that, that's a, that's a happy ending to the story for, uh, for me at least. And uh, I mean, for people who are saying sea turtles, you know, I, I say the same thing, who cares about the sea turtles, but just so you know, this area, Holden beach and surrounding beaches are, um, known for and it's very protected sea turtle zones. And there's, you know, there's a whole, whole event when, uh, I think it's July and August or September. I'm not sure when it is when the sea turtle eggs hatch, they come up on the beach, they lay their eggs. And then they actually, you know, volunteers, sea turtle volunteers, um, with the sea turtle protectors will stake out around where they laid their eggs. I guess, you know, they can tell when it happens and, um, just like a big fine if, if if you go close to where that is, and then whenever they do, when the eggs hatch, uh, they'll they actually block off the beach. We've been here before when it happens, and they make like a runway down the beach, and these little sea turtles come out and they walk, you know, all the way from the dune down to the ocean, and it's funny because you know the volunteers are there helping the sea turtles, and these these sea turtles would be just. Just picked off by birds left and right. If there weren't people there to help them, because they're going the wrong direction, they're turning around, they're bumping into each other, they're just stopping and just sitting there. And these volunteers are coaxing them (laughs) into the ocean. So probably, I mean, probably most of them end up dying anyway. I'm sure, which is why they try to, you know, save as many of them as uh, as possible, and why they stopped the construction of the pipeline to save the sea turtles. So. That's my story. That's my story. Um, spring Break, Turtles, and FEMA. And if you like the way this mic sounds, let me know. Like I said, different setup. I don't know why I brought I brought my H6 Zoom recorder, got my Shure mic, and I don't know if this works well. Maybe I'll record like this more often. No video, though. That's the, that's the downside. So maybe I can't. But I could hook this Shure mic into... My mixer, which I've never used that I have at home, and start using that if you all like the sound, let me know. okay, so moving on I you know, I, I mark this down to talk about it, and I'm really really don't want to, but uh, I will for for a minute or two. so obviously people who are into the libertarian party and all the different things going on. Um this past week was just crazy with uh all of the the drama and the accusations and and different things being said about different people and mental breakdowns and all kinds of all kinds of crazy shit. And I'm not going to say anything about any individuals. I'm not going to name any names and I'm not going to say anything like that. All I'm going to say is This is why I hate politics. This is why instinctually I recoil and back away from politics when stuff like this happens. Because I do not want to be in a position where I feel like I'm obligated either to stand up for someone or condemn someone just because of a political uh, circumstance uh, and I'm not going to, I mean, I will stand up for people upon my own choosing independent of any political ramifications or whatever, because I want to stand up for, for someone or cause I feel like I need to, but I, I am not going to, to make statements in any direction about, about political crap and mudslinging And, uh, just this, I'm just sick of it. I'm so sick of it. Twitter this past week has just been a cesspool and I hate it. And it just reminds me like how far off any of this libertarian stuff, the libertarian party is from doing anything. It's just... I I mean, I'm sure this stuff happens in the Republican Party, the Democrat Party. They keep it more under wraps because they're they're smarter. But uh, just I don't know. I won't say anything else about it. I'm sick of it. I know people. It's like a it's like a drug for different people and podcasters talking about it and bringing on guests and you know digging into it and posting screenshots and all. It's just it's so toxic. It's horrible. Like, what? What? What are we doing? What are you doing? Uh, I. I it's just. It's so unproductive. I really did not want to talk about this as much, but it's just so unproductive, and I. I can't stand it. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Moving on. So, one thing I'm trying to do more of on this show: seamless transition. There. There you go. Um, I'm trying to do more seamless transitions, but also. I'm trying to find, you know, interesting stories to talk about that maybe, you know, maybe you are not, that other people aren't talking about or, you know, bringing on guests that other people are not talking to, um, to be determined, to be announced later Uh, and really just getting into conversations that that I want to have and having conversations um, that that I want to have, and hopefully other people want to listen to. Um, and if you don't, then then you won't. But this brings me to a a, uh, a video I saw, and I, I teased it at the top, talking about Grant Grant Cardone and, and Donald Trump. And you know, I'm I'm not a Trumper, and I'm not particularly really a Grant Cardoner. I, I do <laughs> I, I do like Grant. I like a lot of his content. I think a lot of the things he says test um, the the boundaries and push the boundaries uh, of what a, a person like a Dave Ramsey would say about about saving and only using your debit card and not going into debt and using debt. Um, Grant pushes those Dave Ramsey things and blows them out of the water, which I think is fantastic. So when you get someone like a like a Grant Cardone who's had tremendous success in in real estate and building wealth, talking to a Donald Trump. Um, you get an interesting conversation, and I'm going to go ahead right now and play a clip from that
0: conversation. How important do you think it is for this audience to have real estate as part of their portfolio? I, I think real estate, Grant, is uh, got to be part of a portfolio. It's been, it's been. First of all, there are tax advantages, depreciation. A lot of people, you'll look at a project and you'll have a loss. Now, not good for your ego, but it made money, but you don't pay tax. And it shows after depreciation, you have a loss. A lot of times they'll analyze myself. They'll say, well, you lost money. I say, yeah, I lost money. But you're not losing money. You lo- you In fact, that loss, you can carry it over to other jobs where you're making a profit. So real estate from the standpoint of tax benefits has been great. But I love the real estate business. I love the creativity of real estate. And I think I always will, even as president, I'd say, boy, that's a great site for a building. Right? You still see sites and like, that's a good location. Everything I do, I mean, I I see so much. I'll look at something and that's what I, it was in my blood from the time I'm very young. I loved the creative process of building. Inflation has always been very good for real estate. But unfortunately, at the end, the whole thing pops. Okay, that's the bad part, you know? And you haven't seen that yet, and hopefully you won't. Hopefully changes will be made, substantial changes, and you won't see that, but inflation is a good thing for real estate not a bad thing for very good okay so i have to tell you you know this inflation but it's bad for other parts of the country and it's very bad ultimately it explodes you know inflation is wonderful until it all explodes and you got to be careful of that you have to watch it what do you think about 10x america i like it i like it Uh, uh, i mean you're the you're the master. What do you think? Does it work? You know, I I just said to Grant, I said, you know, that hat looks very familiar to me. It's a complete knockoff.
1: A lot to unpack from that clip, right? I mean, I, I like obviously, you know, someone like myself who um, does buy and sell real estate. I I, I don't do uh, Grant Cardone or Donald Trump deals. I'm not a developer. I'm not buying buildings. Although I would like to buy buildings someday, um, I buy and sell vacant land. And, you know, so when they, when uh, Donald Trump says everyone should have real estate and talks about the tax benefits and talks about even the ways with losses um, that you can use that as a way to leverage against, you know, to other deals to, uh, to, uh, to shield, to shield profits really. And I, I think, I think that's great. I think that part of real estate is awesome. And the cre- creativity of real estate. Donald's talking about you know, how even when he was president, you know, looking around, that'd be a great place for a you know, hotel or for a building. And th- I mean, that type of stuff is addictive. When you start looking into real estate and doing deals and looking for deals, I, honestly, I could do that all day, every day. And maybe someday I will. Because it is, it is just fun to me. It is fun to me to, to, to find these properties, uh, to to analyze the deals, to, to find what works, to you know, to identify your, your buyers, to the the whole the whole process is just fascinating to me, and I really do enjoy it. And I think that creativity is what draws so many people into the real estate business. Uh, when you get more into this conversation. Between Grant and Trump, though, things get a li- things get a little a little sketchy here, though, a little a little bit weird. And talking about inflation, saying inflation is good for real estate, it is. If you own the real estate, it can make it tougher for you know people who are trying to get into real estate to to get a foot in um, when you're in, in a crazy inflationary cycle like we are right now, which probably a lot of people might not agree with me but i think it's going to continue like this for a very long time um this inflationary uh, really super cycle that that we're in which money's just being sucked into the real estate market people are just you know you go to sell your house right now and people are offering 20% over over asking it's it's craziness or or more than that but so they're talking about that the inflation being good for real estate sometimes okay it is yeah if if you're making money with it sure but then he says there's some interesting quotes here trump says and i quote at the end the whole thing pops then he kind of doesn't walk it back but he says well hopefully changes will be made and we won't see that and then he says it's wonderful until it all explodes and I said, that's what she said. But no, <laughs> seriously. But I mean, he's, he's being so brutally honest, though. I mean, I think everyone knows that the house of cards that not only the real estate market, but our economy is built on in the United States, this, this fiat system, this, uh, this dollar system, which is, which is the foundation has been cracking for a very long time and it's, it's being held up by uh, duct tape and, and super glue and uh, printed dollar bills. But at the end of the day, it is going to explode. And when I say it's good to own real estate, yes, I, I still, I mean, I, I'm going to continue to keep buying real estate because I don't know when things are going to explode. I'm not just going to sit on the sidelines and do nothing because I know something's eventually, you know, a market's going to crash. I mean, I'm not Peter Schiff. You know, I, don't, I didn't just uh, invest in gold for the past 15 years because I because <laughs> I knew that the dollar was going to crash eventually. I mean, you can't play the market like that. Even if you know a bubble is going to pop, even if you know that a correction is eventually going to come, uh, I mean, there are indicators that can help you time it and to protect yourself somewhat. But I do think in the real estate market, I think that the current market that we are in with the inflation we are seeing probably will end up seeing hyperinflation. I don't think we're going to see you know, a crash, deflation, whatever in the real estate market for a long time. And even if we do, Hopefully, uh, by that point in time, you know, we have enough alternative, uh, alternative currencies, uh, ways to transfer value, ways to, uh, you know, have, have contracts with each other that we can, you know, we can work around these financial systems, if you know what I mean, and uh, transfer value that way. But I just think it's just so fascinating how blunt Trump is with that and he, he's it's just he's trying trying to toe the line and th- keep in mind he's talking at Grant Cardone's 10X conference so he's talking to a lot of business people entrepreneurs people in real estate a lot of people who make money by investing with Grant Cardone so of course that's that's what they want to hear they want they yeah they want to hear that you know inflation's great for real estate and you're gonna, it's going to help you make more money and it probably will but also keep in mind this is not the attitude of somebody that you want to be president. Uh, somebody who's going to cheer uh, inflation in that way. I mean, you can make a lot of money in real estate if there's no inflation too. And you just do good business and you make good deals and you add value. Um, you shouldn't need inflation to make money in real estate. That's, I mean, that that's one of the ways that they've really hidden the really nefarious impacts of inflation is by allowing you know, wealthy individuals and people who understand how money works to hide wealth in, in assets like, like real estate that, that have appreciated uh, you know, more so than, than other vehicles, which, I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just a reality. That's just, that's just the way things work. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, and I mean, just to talk a little bit about Biden, you know, Biden inflation, Trumpflation. Whose fault is it? It's both of their fault. Um, one thing I do get sick of, though, like, you know, you'll have your right wing people calling out, uh, you know, Biden for for causing inflation, and then you have your libertarians coming back immediately saying, well. Actually, Donald Trump' um, his stimulus package started this whole thing, and if it, yes, yes, that's true. But if you're going to do that, let's go back and talk about Obama and Bush and well, Clinton. Actually, wasn't that bad when it comes towards inflation. Uh, he was he was pretty fiscally responsible. Uh, but you got to talk about the whole picture. you have to, then you got to talk about the Federal Reserve. Um, Just like correcting, that doesn't really help anything at all. That didn't help the conversation. It's almost better not to say anything at all, I, I think at least. That's my opinion. Um, unless you're going to sort of indict the entire system, uh, it doesn't really add any value just to say, well, actually, Donald Trump, he was there too. Yes, so was the Federal Reserve. And really, presidents do not really even control the Federal Reserve at all. That's an independent private organization that, you know, that controls our money. Of course, they can say things, but pressure on it. And Trump did do stuff like that. And yes, the spending, of course, that is injecting uh, you know, monetary expansion, um, deficit spending into the economy. Of course, um, that's another big thing, but it's a piece of the pie. Um, you serve up a piece of Biden inflation pie and say, well, actually, here's a piece of Trump inflation pie. Well, the rest of the fucking pie is uh, is just as important as, as those two pieces. So it doesn't, doesn't help in my opinion, but that's, that's just me being a, a bitter old man, I guess. So I wanted to talk about Trump and inflation. Hope you enjoyed that. One of the things that Trump did decently well was... Putting pressures, I think it was Trump that did. Putting pressures on hospitals to be more transparent, and it is hot as shit in the room that I'm in right now. I'm just going to push through this. <laughs> I don't know if the air is just not on. Anyway, it's this house is like always, always freezing cold that we're staying in. And as soon as I start to podcast, it's like the heat's on now. I, I do not, I do not get it. Talking about hospitals, talking about transparency. In 2021, hospitals made 120 billion while skirting federal transparency law. 3 of the largest for-profit hospital chains in the US made a combined 120 million in 2021 while violating federal transparency laws, is according to an investigation by Patient Rights Patient Rights Advocate And to dive into this a little bit more, so this report found that only 14% of the 1,000 hospitals reviewed were compliant with the new regulations, and only a half of a percent of hospitals owned by the three largest U.S. hospital systems, HCA Healthcare, Common Spirit Healthcare, and Ascension. We're compliant. It's basically what one hospital, maybe the 0.5 percent, a half a hospital. <laughs> but it's it's crazy. But you, will there be any you know repercussions? You know, they're going to be fines. Is anything going to happen? Probably not. You know, maybe there will be some fines. But the amount of money they're making, do they even care if they pay a fine? You know, the fine would have to be would have to dig into the, the profits they're making to the extent that it would take it into a territory that it would harm them. And I, I don't think they're going to be finding them to, to that extent. So this is really a law that doesn't have the teeth to, to change behavior. And you know, people will say, well, the federal government shouldn't be getting involved in legislating how hospitals are transparent and it's a private company and all this, you know, this libertarian um, type of stuff that that people say, and I, I would say to that, well, we I mean, we already have a cart, uh, cartelized health system. You know, we already have a system that that operates outside of you know really traditional free markets. Of time, close to a free market. So, w- what are we trying to do? I mean, either you blow the whole thing up. Which there's no appetite for that. Um, you know, you can offer things around the edges, where you know you can have you know your different um, you know health sharing and 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 things like that will come in. And you you there are hospitals. I know Mark's had on guests in the past, and there are hospitals that do um, openly on their own uh, own accord um, advertise. You know, and are, are transparent with pricing of surgeries and, and things of that nature. So that's good, but that's really not enough to move the needle when you have hospitals of this size that are just giving a middle finger to their patients. So I, I don't know. Like, how, how do you fight back against this when these hospitals basically, I'm sure there's collusion. I mean, they don't want anybody shopping. I'm sure there's no different uh, between the hospitals. You know, some surgeries are going to be more expensive at some hospitals and some at others. And it's not like one hospital is probably the most expensive across the board. There's different specialties and I'm sure the hospitals don't want to make all of that apparent. I'm sure the insurance companies don't want all of that to be apparent. You know, these insurance companies have a a scam going on. um, That's, they're not even offering insurance. They're essentially just sucking up administrative costs and making everything more expensive. And why would they want that to go away? So I, I don't know how you fix this problem, to be honest with you. I, I wish the whole thing could just be you know totally ripped apart and just built from the ground up over again. But I don't think that's realistically, realistically going to happen. So that's, that's where we are. I did, so I have two, well, yeah, about two more things that I did want to talk about. And I wanted to talk about the war in Yemen. And what got me thinking about that is, and I'm not going to go into depth on, on Biden's, uh, you know, Biden's genocide comments, but what got me thinking about it was was Biden making the comments about Putin committing genocide. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on in Ukraine. I, you know, I've talked about I, my episode a couple weeks ago where I talked about corruption in Ukraine and everybody knows that there's corruption in Ukraine and Russia and propaganda on both sides and your Western propaganda and EU propaganda. And nobody knows what's going on. And Joe Biden says that the Russians are committing genocide, trying to wipe out, wipe the Ukrainian people off the face of the earth. And the first thing that I thought is, well, what is the U S doing in Yemen? Um, With a proxy war funneling arms uh, to Saudi Arabia as Saudi Arabia essentially exterminates hundreds of thousands of people in Yemen. And like, when you look at, like when you look at the costs, the, the death toll, of this war it's insane i mean they're they're estimating that by the end of 2021 the death toll will be 377,000 and that death toll takes into account you know direct and indirect takes into account um you know, starvation and you know easily preventable diseases that could be prevented by just people having water um so it's just crazy what is happening in Yemen. And for Biden to not comment on that, but comments on, on Ukraine, which that that war has been going on for, what, two months, about 10 weeks? Is that? No, nope, it's less than that. Is it eight weeks? I should know, but I don't. It's, it's about two months. Comments on that, but you have this proxy war in Yemen, Western proxy war in Yemen going on since... 2015 and uh Joe Biden says nothing and now I mean now there finally is a a ceasefire in Yemen there's been since 2015 there's been these 25,000 airstrikes mostly by Saudi Arabia carried out by Saudi Arabia but of course paid for and I Know, Saudi Arabia paid for the weapons, but those weapons are supplied by mostly by the U.S. So it's uh, and it looks like the ceasefire to the, to this extent, um, there's, there's been a, a two month long ceasefire, and this past week, uh, this this is uh, according to Anti War, who, who I trust, um, not a single airstrike was reported, making it the first airstrike free week Yemen has seen. Since early 2015, what um, I think I said two month long. No, it's two. Well, the ceasefire began on April 2nd, so I'm not sure why it says two month long ceasefire. Well, that's a it should probably be two week long ceasefire. Ceasefire, come on, anti-war. get with it. <laughs> no, they're they're fantastic. I, I love love antiwar.com. But it just I mean, that's the that's why I want to talk about this. Because nobody is talking about the war in Yemen. Yes, you hear about it on some libertarian podcasts, but Ukraine, you know, all over the place on Twitter, people with the Ukrainian flags. It's just it's sad, really, man. I mean, people will believe and will support whatever they are told. By the corporate press to support, and they will forget and they will ignore and they will just flat out pretend that something's not happening if the corporate overlords tell them not to don't tell them about it. It's it's crazy. I've seen it with my own eyes where you can tell someone to their face about just the death and destruction that has just been rained down on the people of Yemen since 2015. And they'll stare back at you and not even respond. This is not even. It's like it's like you're talking to a wall. It, it doesn't even, unless you have like confirmation from from a from a CNN reporter who would say, "Oh yeah, he's actually right." Then they would believe it. It's it's total, complete, just uh, bizarro land. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how you. Is this I feel like everything I talk about, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know, I don't know what to do. Shit, man. Well that's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, like with, with a lot of this stuff. You know, it's I think we're what we're always looking for, we're looking for ways to fix things. We're looking for um, ways to feel like we're a part of that change that is going to uh, right these wrongs and bring people to justice and create a future that you know our children will be prosperous and free. And yes, I want that too. I want to be a part of that. But I just don't think a lot of the ways and a lot of the things that people are pouring their time into are valuable and are going to get us there. I think that at least at this point in time, the best thing that you can do, when I say you, I mean... All of you, dear listeners, the best thing you can do is take care of yourself and your family, become as self-reliant as possible, become as mobile as possible, flexible with with where you're able to live, Um, expand your skill set as much as possible, create as many alternative income streams as possible, Um, learn as much as you can about cryptocurrency and ways to uh, to leverage it and use it in your life, not just hold it and hope it goes up in value so you can cash it out for more fiat dollars and buy yourself a shiny new car because that's not going to do shit for you. So, I, I mean, I, I know that rant probably went nowhere with a lot of people but I know there's a couple of you out there that, you know, probably understand where I'm coming from with this frustration. Yes. I want to be a part of, you know, something bigger than myself that stands up to the tyrants who are ruining this world, who are teaching our children about this transgender garbage. And oh, I think the best way to stand up against those people is to go to your local school board and libertarians will push back on this. They'll say, well, the only thing you can do, you should do is homeschool and forget, forget about your, uh, you know, forget about saving the public schools. That's, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be a libertarian uh, thing to do. Li- libertarian shouldn't be, you know, joining school boards. Okay. I, I am all for people homeschooling. I love when people homeschool. I personally, do not homeschool. My wife and I have decided it's not right at this time. Um, we might someday. We'll see. But even if we did homeschool, it is still important to be involved locally in your community, on your school board, talking to parents, talking to people, um, having influence, being able to lead. Uh, to, because if you homeschool and your kid is is not you know, is not uh, subjected to the mental illness that's being taught in a lot of these schools, then everyone else is, though. Like, all the other kids are. The other 99% are. So your kid is going to grow up in a world even crazier than the world we're in right now. And we're you're, we're justifying in our head but we're doing all we can by homeschooling. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're taking, That's taking the, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying don't homeschool. You can homeschool. I think that's fantastic. I think it's great. Homeschool. But that's that's not doing everything. That's like a a small part. That's a small piece of the puzzle and getting involved and trying to affect change and influencing people to understand just how dangerous the ideas being taught in in public schools are um, for the future of humanity. Rant over. (laughs) Last thing I wanted to talk about is something that I am excited about. And, you know, I have noticed it seems like, it's, it actually seems like it started before the, uh, the pandemic in, you know, really took off in, uh, in March of 2019. A lot of people point to the pandemic and say, well, you know, before, um, you know, before the pandemic, everything was great with restaurants and hotels and fast food. And the service was, you know service was there were never any issues with it, and now after the pandemic, everything's terrible. Restaurants are all short-staffed. The food's terrible half the time. Hotels aren't clean. And I, I do I, I do agree that things have like increased in uh, in velocity in that direction. I think you're seeing a lot more bad hotels, a lot more bad restaurants, a lot more understaffed restaurants. But this has been happening for a long time. With the, just the, the deterioration of the um, you know hotel and hospitality um, services, and I think I think there's a lot of contributing factors to it. I think that just really the the lifestyle that you have to live to to be in that to to want to do that is, I think. Based on the way the world is changing, it's just not for as many people as it was. Um, people want to have more flexibility. They want to be able to travel. You know, they want weekends off, or they want you know days off per week. They want to be able to do different things. And you know, that's the service industry does not offer that. And I, I think I think that's a big component of it. And one reason that's why I'm excited about. AI, artificial intelligence and robots getting utilized in the service industry, getting utilized. Like this article, I'm talking about Chipotle set to debut a chip-making robot to mitigate labor shortages. Uh, Miso Miso Robotics (laughs) CEO Michael Bell um, told Neil Cavuto Friday that his company partnered with Chipotle to develop a chip making robot as the fast food company struggles with current labor shortages. He said automation is the solution. And uh, they go on to talk about the restaurant industry had a labor gap before the pandemic. Pandemic, that's right, you said. Pandemic, this guy's as smart as me. Pandemic has just accelerated this big gap between the number of jobs and the available labor. I agree with that. Um, so the labor shortage. Itself being addressed by AI, I, I think, is the right move. And this robot, he's, he's making chips. His name is Chippy. Who doesn't want to walk into a Chipotle and get delicious chips made by a robot named Chippy? I do. Every freaking day. And why should a human being be making chips in 2021? Why are you paying a human being to make chips? Wasting the valuable resource and creativity that human beings can bring to the table, have a stupid robot do it. And there's so many jobs like that that could be outsourced to robots, but because of labor unions and because, you know, people's heart feelings and, you know, companies and CEOs are afraid to, to cut jobs and people will find jobs the time has come, and I'm serious about this. I'm laughing, but I'm serious. The time has come for robots. I'm serious. We need more robots. Otherwise, our lives are just going to continue to get worse because we do not have humans that are willing to do these jobs. There's just too many other opportunities with the, with the gig economy and you know diff- different ways that people can make money that our lives are just, we're going to, we're going to lose, you know, these things we've become accustomed to. And I mean, of course, if that happens, fine, We'll, we'll all adapt, but it's better to have stupid robots doing jobs that require no skills, no intelligence, and are low paying already, than to pay a human being to do it, when they could be doing something that adds so much more value, that has so much more creativity, that pushes their limits, that gives them actual experience they can take and then move up and take it to another job and make more money. And I know some people just don't operate that way and they want to stay in one job their whole life. Well, you know what? I think the time has come for those days to be over. People need, sometimes people need a push. And robots are those people who are, are those robots who are going to give that push but yeah I, I mean i i think it's it's a net positive of course are there problems with robots you know the robot takeover if you make a robot too smart and they can feel feelings and they can start to, to manipulate people yeah that's a that's a worry i mean that's I'm I'm concerned about uh, the robot takeover, but I think we can keep robots stupid enough um, so they don't take over. That That's, I mean, if I was ever going to run for president, that would be my slogan. Let's keep robots stupid and let's make human beings smart again. It's not a bad slogan. I think I could win. Maybe. Probably not. Uh, but it's, it's not as good as, uh, you know, Grant Cardone, if he runs for president 10 X America, I love that. I'd vote for that. And you know, why not? Who doesn't want a bigger America, a bigger, better America. Hope you guys enjoyed this show today. Uh, hope you enjoy these solo shows. Um, I promise I will have interviews again, um, You know, probably next week. I don't know. I mean, the thing is I have, I I have multiple people that I have interviews loosely set up with that for for different reasons, actually, yeah, some very, very good reasons I'm waiting on just because the timing is not right, but uh, probably we'll have a guest next week. Maybe won't. You might get another solo show. Lucky you. Either way, thank you for listening and thank you for supporting uh, the Lions of Liberty. Uh, thank you for either being a, uh, a patron on uh, patreon.com slash lions of liberty or on locals at lions of com, As we talked about uh, the past couple of weeks, and we will have another special bonus Libertarians and Liberty Rooms Drinking Liquor coming up the first Friday of May, I think. Actually, now that I say that out loud, I don't know if I'll be available that Friday, but we probably still will do it even without me. Um, But anyway, if it's not the first Friday, it'll be the first part of May. We're doing a bonus libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor every single month for our patrons. All you got to do is join for as little as $5 a month. But once you go and you look at what we do offer in our patron, in our, uh, in our, in, in our different groups, the access that we give, um, the information that we offer with uh, news links, I think the, the most informative and detailed uh, list of news links that you'll find anywhere that are pulled together uh, by our friend, uh, Howie Snowden, the uh, the godfather of the Lions of Liberty. Every single day he does this. I don't know where he finds the time, but that's at our $15 level. And I highly encourage everyone to at least start there. So thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on the Lions of Liberty Network feed, fantastic. If you're listening on the Finding Freedom feed, fantastic. Um, if you've looked for the Finding Freedom feed and you can't find it, just type in Finding Freedom. John Odermatt, and you'll find it on any pod catcher. I have um, stopped doing the Tuesday replays for the time being, and I might bring that back or I might change it. And I'm not sure when I'm going to do that. So I'm not going to make an announcement because I'm, uh, I'm honestly still really not sure which direction I want to go. I'll, I'll just put it out there. I'll put it out there. And maybe somebody will tell me it's a stupid idea. That's, a, that's what some, I've heard some podcasters do this and then they get, they get good feedback and they, you know, end up going with the direction of their listeners. So I'll put it out there. If you're still listening now, 54 minutes in, you are a diehard listener. So if you're listening now, you can maybe help to influence my Finding Freedom um, solo feed show or bonus content, whatever you want to call it. What I've thought about doing rather than having the full episode on a Tuesday, of a uh, episode from the archive just pull maybe i don't know 5 minutes is that enough maybe 5 minutes of the best exchange from the episode and just post that call it See, it save 5 minute tuesday see 10 minute tuesday sounds better but is 10 minutes too much i don't know it's maybe yeah maybe 10 minute 10 minute tuesday and uh Throw that up from the archives every Tuesday. I might do that. I could do Five Minute Friday. That's nice. Nice alliteration. We'll see. I have to think about it. Well, I think about it. You let me know what you think, and uh, we'll make this decision. Make this decision. <laughs> make this decision together. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. I really do appreciate it. And I'll talk to you all next week. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up, and the fires of liberty burning.